What's the revolution? Revolutionaries was good. Good, good. Today's episode is brought to you by the Rogue Media Group, which is a veteran-led integrative marketing agency with affiliated networks that reach nearly 1 million multicultural professionals, business owners, and public policymakers. RMG, as it's affectionately known, was founded in 2013 by my dude, Maximilian Hamilton, and has grown from a single offering to a multifaceted media company that offers everything from media planning and buying to written content development, sponsorship consulting, and conference development, as well as digital marketing, custom video, DEI strategy, personal branding, and speaker sourcing. RMG's signature program, one that I was able to MC last year, is the fifth annual Fuel, the Ultimate Men's Summit. It will take place this year in November, the 9th through the 12th, 2023, in Houston, Texas. The annual summit is a gathering of 500 plus CEOs, professionals, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. Participants will explore and discuss advancing the mobility of black professionals, entrepreneurs, and business leaders. The summit will include a golf outing, panel discussions, keynotes, breakout sessions, and awards recognition, and guess this, a celebration of hip hop's 50th anniversary. To learn more about RMG and Fuel, the Ultimate Men's Summit, visit www.roguemg.com. And now, let's get ready for the show. You're the person that I want to interview. You're the person that I want to sit with. Michael, unbroken. What's your revolution? I watched the successes of thousands of clients that I've coached. I've seen millions of downloads on my podcast and having a number one best-selling book and speaking on the biggest stages. And it's like, you already suffered, bro. You might as well get paid for it. Why, why all the suffering if not for something great? You know? Why all the suffering if not for something great? Can I have your attention for a moment? What's good, Revolutionary? Welcome to the What's a Revolution show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. Where people can find and embrace the revolution within themselves. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. What's good, Revolutionaries? I hope all is well. And at the recording of this show, as you know, that I am holding on, trying to hold on to summer and to revel in the sunshine that 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 it brings to the warmth, the warmth of other suns, which is a wonderful book of understanding how being in community out in the nature of, of life and being with folks and a, a, allowing summer to actually revive you. Spring is often that time of revival, but summer is that time to live, to really live. And I've been enjoying that with my people. So I am hoping that you are doing that. One of the things that I did this summer was actually go, as I've been talking about so much, was go and spend time with people in a segment of my community. Those people who podcast, those people who sit in front of the mic, in front of the camera and actually begin to interview folks and tell stories, stories across a wide spectrum of genre and beliefs and ideas and ideologies. And often when you get a chance to sit in the community, you meet luminaries. And that's been my word this year, revolutionaries, luminaries, people who are at the at the, the breaking point, the stalwarts, the people that are out there really putting themselves at the forefront of what they're doing. And people are noticing and they're saying, wow, you're the person that I want to interview. You're the person that I want to sit with. And my guest today is it's an ordinary show because we have a luminary on the show. I want to introduce Michael Unbroken to the What's Your Revolution show. This brother is an award-winning author. His book, Think Unbroken, podcaster, world-renowned speaker. I want to say hello to you. How are you? Dude, I'm excited, man. Um, you yeah, you probably heard this before, but you have a voice for this. Like, I was like, <laughs> dang, dude, I wish my voice sounded like that. Uh, I'm good, brother. I'm good. I'm excited to be here with you. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, It is interesting because I want my folks to know who you are, because I think that is encapsulated into this conversation that we're going to have today. And so 
who is, and I understand, I want to say Michael Anthony, but Michael Unbroken. Mm-hmm. Tell that story because I, w- I want to know, and, and because I don't know if I've heard this question asked to you in, in my research is, how did you go from Michael Anthony to Michael Unbroken? And I think you can encapsulate that story that is yours in that answer. Sure. Um, that's a good question. Uh, it's made up. I mean, like anything, like, and I'm not saying that in jest, but I mean, like, literally, I was like, okay, Kobe has the black mamba, right? <laughs> Beyonce has Sasha Fierce, mm. right? You you have these these people who their alter ego is like their true identity. Like mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne isn't Batman. Batman's mm. Bruce Wayne. Yes, yes. And and when I was, I mean, look, dude, when I seven years ago, I'm laying in bed. Uh, I just had this massive break up and the woman I was seeing, she was like, you're broken. Mm. And dude, I've been called that so many times in my life. And I was like, you know what? That's not who I am. That's not what I believe. That's not what I think. And it was like, boom, like a light bulb. I was like, Oh my Mm. God, I know what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. It was like in that moment. And, and also like, it's a branding play just straight up because if you go search Michael Anthony, you're going to find Van Halen and I cannot compete with that. SEO. (laughs) I love it. I love that. Right? Yeah, that's so, right. So, so growing up, man, my, my, my childhood was insane. Mm. And, 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 and I am an, an advocate for people who are in this healing journey. Mm. And, and that's because it's like, I don't know, dude, it's like, imagine if you actually had to suffer so you could change the world. And, and that's what my life is. And it's not that I chose it. Cause trust me, I would much rather not be having this conversation with you. Like when I really like break it down and I think about the context of what led to this moment, it's like, I would much rather have literally any other childhood you can imagine, mm. but mm. I didn't get that. Right. So, and, and I always give con like, please don't compare, you know, people always hear my story and they're like, Oh my God, that dude's life was so bad. Like, and it's like, whatever, man, we didn't live the same lives. It's fine. Like, mm. um, you know, when I was four years old, my mother, who was a drug addict and alcoholic, actually cut off my right index finger, right? So multiple surgeries, multiple skin grafts, you can see there, you know, and, 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 and that's hurt people, hurt people. My mother was, mm. and I'm not using this word loosely, fucking crazy. And so she was a drug addict, an alcoholic, a narcissist. She was bipolar, suicidal, manic depressive, diagnosed. I'm not, not like it's now like, oh my God, you're a narcissist because we don't agree. But like now, like for real, like in and out of rehabs, in and out of treatment facilities, she would disappear for weeks at a time, like just on these major benders. She married my stepdad when I was six. And, and this guy was super abusive. Like, you know, this dude's six foot four, 220, beating up a seven year old, like a, a real man, this guy, real man. And, and, you know, that's what I grew up in. And so I didn't know any different. And, and we were often homeless and deeply impoverished. I lived with over 30 different families between eight to 12. And, and when I was 12, I got high for the first time. And, dude, it was the greatest moment of my childhood. Wow. It, because it for, the, way. for the first time in my life, it was like the stress and the pressure of the world went mm. away. You know how people are like, they, they have this conversation when they do like heroin and crack and stuff like mm. that. And they're like, I've always chased that first high. And that was true of weed for me. And mm. I was like, next thing you know, I'm popping pills. We're smoking hash. I'm doing drugs. Like I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I'm 12. Uh, by the time I'm 13, I'm getting drunk all the time. And at 15, I got expelled from school for selling drugs. Um, I got put into a last chance program. And by the time I was 18, I got kicked out of high school again. And dude, I had like straight F's, a 1.2 GPA, missed 90 days of school. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in summer school. All my friends have graduated. I got uninvited to every graduation party. Everyone stopped hanging out with me. Dude, I was the biggest loser in the whole school. Mm-hmm. And and my summer school teacher is a business course, irony of all ironies. <laughs> um, <laughs> he comes up to me and he goes, you know what? We're just going to give you the diploma. We're done with you. 
we'll let the streets figure you out. Oh my God. And I will remember I was sitting in my car because the day before I got fired from the warehouse job I was working at, mm. putting microchips into motherboards. Like that was it. That was a job, 12 hours a day, you know? And for some people that was the rest of their life. And for me, I was like, there's gotta be something more. Be more. And so I'm just trying to figure out like what's next. And it just, you know, Charles, it hit me one day. I was like, what's the solution for homelessness, for poverty, for abuse? I was like, it's money. It's got to be. Because if it's not money, I don't know what else it is. And so I said, by the time I'm 21, I want to make 100 grand a year legally, which is very important because Mm -hmm. I've been in handcuffs more times than I can count. My three childhood best friends have been murdered. And my family, I can do, I got like multiple family members who are in prison for life. Some of them been in there 25 years. Right. And it's like, I knew the path I was taking. So I just started learning skills. Skills have utility. I became a manager of a fast food restaurant with 52 people under me when I was 18 and a half. Wow. By the time I'm 21, I landed a job with a fortune 10 company. I uh, made a million dollars by the time I was 26. And and, and what happened in that time frame is I had clarity about money, but nothing else. And so by the time I'm 26, I'm 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, cheating on my girlfriend. I'm $50,000 in debt. Imagine that living paycheck to paycheck, making 200 grand a year. And my little brother tells me one day, never talk to me again. You're not my brother. And so it's like I had built, my life had become everything everyone said it would be. Because when I was a kid, dude, my own mom and stepfather would be like, you're stupid, you're fat, you're lazy, you're dumb, you don't matter. And so I'm like, cool, money will solve that problem, right? Because I got all the girls, I got all the clothes, like I'm rocking Sean John suits, like it's they're handing them out, bro. Like I'm going to age like myself. Diddy. Like you're Diddy. Yeah, I'm, I'll. I'll age myself a little bit, you know, closet full of J's, $80,000 Cadillac. I bought a Cadillac when I was 20 years old. Right. And so it's like, I'm, I'm looking at this life and on paper, you're like, dude, this guy has the life, all the chicks, all the money, all the mm. clothes balling out of control. Dude, It was not uncommon for me to go out and spend 500 bucks on dinner. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I wasn't taking care of my, you said people and community at the beginning of this. I, I did not help my brothers in any way. I did not help my community. And I was very self-serving, but it was also like, you don't know what you don't know. And survival for me as a kid was, I have to figure it out on my own. Mm-hmm. And in my twenties, I'm like, I figured it out on my own. But the downside of that is I destroyed everything else in the mm-hmm. process. And so I find myself one day, I'm laying in bed. Again, I'm 350 pounds. You met me in person. I'm not 350 no, pounds not. anymore. No, fit, fit. And, I, and I'm sitting here smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake, and watching the freaking CrossFit games, man. <laughs> and it's like, I was like, you're a loser. You are a loser. And, and I'm like, the only way it gets worse than this is if I just go kill somebody or myself, which I had already mm-hmm. attempted twice. And uh, I pulled myself up out of the bed. I went in the bathroom. I looked at myself in the mirror and I asked myself a question. I was like, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want? Mm. And the answer was no excuses, just results. And that has been the moniker, the motto, the flag, the insignia for everything my life has been for the last 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, like, thank you, one, for sharing, like, all of that. Like, we talk about vulnerability so much on the show. And and then particularly, and Michael is biracial. And, but as a man of color, the, the vulnerability is something that doesn't always permeate through, through our existence and thinking about how you're telling this story. And I want folks to go to thinkunbroken.com and make sure that you understand more of his story. Even I always implore folks, make, make sure you can go out and get the book uh, and read how these tips and strategies can help you move past some of the things that we're going to talk about today. But one thing that resonates with me, what you're saying, Michael is 
one of our first tenants here at What's Your Revolution is revolt and evolve, right? Mm. If you, if I ask you this question about what's your revolution and you say, okay, my, my revolution is to like, what, what did you say? Results, right? No excuses, just results. No excuses, just results. So at some point, my revolution is no, no excuses, just results. You have to revolt from something, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to revolt from something to say, okay, I, how do I make sure that there are no excuses, only results? I have to revolt from behaviors. I have revolt from saying, you know what? I can't do this, right? Or, you know what? This is someone else's fault or I'm a victim. No. All of those things are saying I have to revolt from those things and then I need to involve into this person that says I am going to go out and no matter what, there will be results. I can look I can look back and say I put the best effort in. I put the best forward uh, foot forward. I put my best version of myself in. And so that is interesting because if I think about the encapsulating the entire story that you just told me, you could get lost in that. You could get lost in that, Michael. I'm like, but wait a minute, you you were saying that you you made a million dollars at twenty six. Mm-hmm. You know, it it almost sounds like the the like this David Goggins story. Like, you know, what I'm saying it it feels Goggin esque. Yeah. Well, we grew up like twenty five minutes away from each other, so <laughs> it must have been. It must figure. be something in the water. It must be. It must be something. Yeah. Crackheads. Something, <laughs> something in the water. But the similarities between the two of you all is that at some point in time. There's this inner conversation that I cannot be this version of myself. And if you look back, if you look back, it's so interesting to me because I do it myself. The introspection is so key about our growth is that there are past versions of yourself that you can say, I can look back. Wow, I'm not that version. Ooh, didn't like that version. Ooh, that version of me was horrible. But this is the version of me now. And I kind of like this person. I kind of love this person. I kind of want to be with this person, right? Because I can look back and say, you know what? I didn't really make great decisions then. Made some horrible choices there. Hurt a lot of people here, but I'm not that version of myself anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's so important to revolution, you know, because what you said, and I'll stop because you excited me, is that you said at one point you weren't showing up for the community. Mm -hmm. And now, now Michael unbroken, right. Can show up for the community. And that's big. If you, I looked up the definition of the word revolution just now, just, I I believe in understanding what words mean. And, and most people don't, most people use words and they have no idea what they mean. Mm -hmm. And, And revolution means a forcible overthrow for the replacement of a new system. Okay. And so if you if you look at this journey of life that we all are on independently and collectively, we're we're constantly in revolution and evolution. But but the but the problem is most people are terrified to become the person that they are destined to be. More people, I, I believe this truly in my heart, more people are afraid of success than they are of failure. Yes. Failing is very easy. Think about like where I grew up, right? So if you were one of the people who on the 1st and the 15th got a check in the mail through the government, if you're not familiar with the 1st and 15th, (laughs) um, you were a winner. It was praised. It was admirable. You beat the system. You figured it out. You got four less hours a week at work. So now you get on the government tit. And it's like, cool. Is that really who you want to become? Yeah. And so when I saw that celebrated, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was disgusting as a kid. I felt shame about it. I felt guilt about it predominantly. And I think for me, because my mom spent her money on drugs, my stepdad spent the money on alcohol. Right. And so like when my mom overdosed multiple times, I'm the one calling the police because instead of buying food, she bought drugs. You know, we, we would have pantry food. I literally had to steal food from the big lots on the corner of 30th and Georgetown, right? There, there's so many times in my life where, you know, you, you get the little chicken sandwich in the foil bag at school yeah, and I'd put right. three of them in my pocket. You don't have no idea how many times I got caught doing that, mm. right? Not paying for food. And they chastise children because they can't pay for food. Like, I'm like, bitch, we don't even have electricity. <laughs> 
Like literally we don't, we don't have electricity. We don't have, I would, I had to steal water from our neighbor's houses, take these buckets and turn on the spigot on the side of their homes. And it's like, you look at that and you go, cool. Is evolution to be on food stamps and welfare? For some people it is. And I will argue that those people are going to die never having lived. And life's not easy, dude. Like I'm never going to sit here and be like, oh, life is easy. I, I have forced an overthrowing of who I am to become who I am. Yes. Yes. I teach my clients this all the time. People are like, why can't I change? Cause you're not making it happen. Yeah. Like it, we live in, we live in a weird society of softness. This is where the Goggins references really come in. Right. And I, I love the guy. Right. But, but I, I, if you're, you gotta be honest with yourself, man, if you're fat, you're fat. If you're dumb, you're dumb. If you're bad with money, you're bad with money. If you're, horrible husband, boyfriend, partner, business owner, be honest. There's three rules that I have with the people that I coach. They're right here in front of me. I read them every day. I remind every single person when we coach, when I'm on podcasts, when I'm in group coaching, when I'm whatever it is, there's three things. If you really want your life to be different, it's very simple. This shit is not rocket science, Charles. You want a revolution, you must evolve and you evolve first and foremost, most importantly, by being honest. Why are you lying all the time? Well, actually, I'll tell you why. Because lying is a survival mechanism. Because when you were six and you went to school with the bruises, you had to lie. When you were 12 and you were stealing food and the teacher was like, why are you malnourished? You had to lie. When you were 16 and missing school every day because you're in the street selling drugs so you can help your grandma pay the bills, you have to lie. And so that serves a purpose. And then you're 21, 36, 52. You're like a liar. But you don't know why you're a liar. Because you haven't really assessed the causation and correlation. And then you look at it and you go, I'm a liar because my brain recognized as an autonomic response to stressor that if I lie, I will be safe. Thus, I will lie because when I do that, I am safe. And then to tell the truth is the most fearful thing we can do because now it has become unknown. That stressor fires up the autonomic nervous system and says, no, dude, don't tell the truth. You're in trouble. You will die if you tell the truth. Dude, telling the truth in my home was the most dangerous thing I could do. If I told the truth in my house, my stepdad would throw me through a fucking wall. And I literally mean that. And so step one, be honest. That's it. That's the hardest part of the whole game. Step two, you got to show up, man. Like show up for your life. Stop blaming everybody. You want to be a victim? Respect. Respect. I'm not taking it away from you, dude. Like life is hard, man. You want to get on the welfare that you want to blame the world. You want to be the person. Go ahead. But don't complain because nobody gives a shit. And that's what people don't want to hear. And that's why I always get in trouble because people are like you're the trauma coach. How can you say that to people? I'm like, because you're being a victim. Nobody cares. And if you want to be a victim and be in that victimhood, you have to understand that you are going to die with regret. You will never be the person you're capable of being. You will never build the life you want to build. You will never connect to the communities you want to connect with. You will never have the health, wealth, relationships, and freedom that you seek. And on your deathbed, you will go, I knew this was going to happen. And then lastly, you got to execute. And I mean this literally. This is, again, revolution, a forcible overthrowing. You have to do things that you are terrified of doing so that you can build confidence in who you are. Because the reality is becoming the person that you're capable of being, this person you believe that you can become, right, is only through the action that you take. You cannot wish or secret yourself into success. You cannot manifest or meditate yourself into success. Those things plant seeds. They, they create this idealization in your mind where it becomes a possibility, but it only comes to fruition through you showing up every day. And that part of showing up every day is the hardest thing that we do because since it's an unknown, we want to revert back to our old behavior patterns of safety and security. And so this idea of like, I'm going to go here, I'll get, I'll tell you a story. I'm 350 pounds, right? And I use weight because people really can understand and relate to this. And, and so I'm 350 pounds and in my head every day, this is the idea of why I believe that just the ideation doesn't work. It requires execution. I would put my bag in my car to go to the gym every night after work. I would drive to the gym. 
I would sit in the parking lot. In the parking lot was a bar and a McDonald's. I would smoke a cigarette, go to the bar, go to McDonald's, smoke a cigarette, get in my car, look at the gym, and say tomorrow. I was 350 pounds. Okay, cool. Why didn't it work? Why, why did me just dreaming I was going to be in shape and have a six-pack and go surf on the beaches of Indonesia, why did it not work? Because I wasn't doing anything. And so it's like, and especially you brought a, a very valid point up, like this idea of vulnerability in communities of color, especially with men. And I am biracial, but I grew up in the hood with crazy ass white grandma. Right. And so like, I've seen all sides of reality. And it's like, when I lied, when I stuffed it down, when I hid the truth, when I didn't show up and I didn't execute, my life was a disaster. When I created a revolution and forcibly overthrew myself into the person that I wanted to become, I'm sitting here with you today. I am not, look, I hate when people are like, I'm special. No, you're not. You're just not. Like there's a billion people in the world. You, if you want to be special and that's what you need to push through, respect. I'm not taking that from you. But reality, like, dude, you're just like me and like, and like Charles and like everybody else. The difference between me and Charles and you is that we're willing to do the thing. We're willing to do the thing. Despite the pain of the thing. Despite the mindset shift required to become the thing. And it's like, you know, you, you said I'm a, a world award-winning, world-renowned speaker. Dude, thank you, first and foremost. But seven years ago at the first event, two people came. And then five, and then seven, and then seven years later, you know, it's like I've spoken in front of 10,000 people, right? And and when I started the weight loss journey, it was like fucking one pound, and then 12, and then 25, and then a plateau, and then 50, and then 100 pounds later, and then it's like when I wrote the book, line by line, page by page, day by day for two years with nine revisions. When I created the podcast, five years, 700 episodes, huge amount of effort and energy. And it's like you think about this is really interesting. And, I, and again, I believe this. People are scared of failure, but they're more afraid of success because they're afraid of success and failure in a public way. Because if you like look at people who like play video games, for instance, and, and look, I love video games. They're great. You will fail on a level 700 times, but it doesn't change your identity because there's nothing real on the line. But when it comes to this game called life, yeah. you're scared to fail once. And that's why you're trapped. Yes. Yes. Yes to all of that. It is, it is so interesting because. I, I, I just got to go back to something that you said earlier on is that the crux of lying to ourselves and the crux of lying to our lying to others for some is a mechanism of safety. And the first person that we have to be honest with is ourselves. That's, that's, a, that's a part of the revolution. And I love that you have, you have woven in this forcibly, this forcible change. And I often say this radical shift, right? Because I know that, I know the, 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 the textbook definition of, of, of revolution, but it is a forcible shift. It is a radical transformation in oneself to say, I don't want to be 350 pounds. I don't want to sit outside the gym and smoke a cigarette anymore. I actually want to go in and be honest with myself. Because I have to see myself for who I am. And that's, that's the first part of the journey. And you said, stop being a victim. And we, and it's interesting because at the recording of this, I talked to my childhood best friend. And honestly with you, Michael, I need to say this short little drive time is that I've actually stopped calling people best friends. Um, because people, you know, people come and go in our lives and, you know, they, they come and go in seasons, people for whatever. And so, we become prioritized and we become deprioritized. And maybe that's just my story. But my childhood best friend has been around for 46 years, since we were six years old. Can you imagine that? Yeah, I'm dating myself as well. We met each other the first day of first grade. Hey, Quince, right? Actually, I've never said Quince's name on the show. Quince Griffin, Quince Delmar Griffin Jr., my childhood best friend who met the first day of first grade. And I can tell you that he had on a Pittsburgh Steelers three-quarter shirt. And the teacher was like, Quince Griffin. And I just, I, I just looked back and said, Hey, Quince, that was the first day. Friends for life. But we were talking, we were talking today about victimhood. We were talking about today, as you said, about this 100% responsibility that whatever, whatever life is, we are responsible for this life. 
And that, that, that is the interesting thing that I, I love you say that, that we can't be a victim. We have to stay focused on the world is by me, not to me. And that is an interesting thing from uh, someone who talks about his trauma, the trauma of his mother, the trauma of his stepfather, the trauma of the world in which he lived in. But then at some point, Michael, you had to say that this world is by me, not to me, and that I need to move into this space. And the last thing that you said is that, and it's, it's this, this conversation is so ironic because my word of the year is execution. Yeah. And it's so pivotal is that through all those things, being honest with ourselves, taking 100% responsibility, the next thing is that we have to execute on the things that we want to be. The, the, wherever we want to go, the things that we want to do, we have to execute. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, look, and it's and it's it's difficult. Like the, I cannot tell you how difficult it is because uh, there's no words. It's almost impossible to be you. We got the pressures of society. We got social media. We have our friends, our community, the keeping up with the Joneses. We have the indoctrination, enmeshment, and grooming of childhood. Like, and, and then you got the school system where you're, show, you're literally from the time you're a child, raise your hand to go to the bathroom, walk on the right side of the hall, eat lunch when we say, don't talk out of turn, be this or suffer. And so you're like, literally, I think school is the biggest scam in the world. That's why I didn't go. Because I, Charles, this is insane. I recognized this when I was seven years old. I'll never forget this. I'm in first grade, second grade, whatever. And, and I have to go to the bathroom. And the teacher gives me punishment for getting up and going to the bathroom. And in that moment, I'll never forget. Dude, it's like as clear as day to me. I, like, I was like, fuck this. <laughs> and I, I revolted against school from childhood. And I will tell you, I am probably one of the most learned people that I know where I read countless books. Mm -hmm. I'm always educating myself. I'm constantly putting myself in the right rooms, but it, it's like the difficulty of life is, is embedded in us from the time that we first really start to become humans mm. because we're told this is who you should be. Like trauma is not, look, it is, but it isn't, right? This is my definition. Trauma is not these cuts and scars and burns and all the things that I went through physically. It's the theft of identity. Mm. And so you spend your entire childhood being told who you're supposed to be, never having the space allotted to you to be who you are. Mm. And so becoming who you are becomes the most impossible aspect of the journey until you recognize that you're allowed to be who you are. Mm. And people are not going to like you. And Charles, people don't like me. I don't care. Yeah, people love me. I don't care. I don't care. Dude, I literally don't. And it's such a weird thing for people to comprehend because it's like what I've done is I've earned my love for me and the ability to go look at myself in the mirror. And just I'm fine with who I am, dude. Yeah. I'm not perfect. I'm fallible. I probably say fuck too often. I'm kind of an asshole sometimes. Like that's who I am. And that's okay. And for some people, I got best friends. I have enemies. I'm not literal enemy. Well, maybe you never know really. You but never, like I, know. I, I, yeah. I I think about it and it's like, okay, cool. If you can get to the place where the most important opinion is yours. You yes. win. You win. And so now you're in this, you're, you have this moral imperative and responsibility to become the greatest version that you're capable yes. of being. Yes. Think about yes. this for a second. We live on a planet that just so happens to be the correct amount of everything for human life to exist. It's improbable. It's impractical. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, we could be in a simulation. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even think we're real. You could be in a bro, bro, you could be beyond the matrix. You could be in a coma right now, pretending all this is happening. There's no proof. And when you die, you don't know what's going to happen then mm. either. So it's like, you might as well go for it. Because guess what? You're going to die anyway. And so if you're like, man, I really, you know, I keep having these horrible relationships with women. Why don't you deal with it? 
My kids won't talk to me. Why don't you deal with it? I'm overweight. Why don't you deal with it? I want to go build my own business because I can do this job better than the person who's paying me 70 grand a year. Go do it. Stop being a fucking coward. Mm -hmm. Like, stop it. Because if you don't, I swear to you, I'm telling you, you keep being a coward. You keep being a victim on your deathbed. You will die. And the last words out of your mouth are going to be regret. And then it's like, what was the point of all this? I don't even know what the point of it is now. And and I'll be honest with you. I'm a nihilist. I don't believe that anything that we do matters in the long run. Mm -hmm. Right. We all turn to dust. Like, bro, serious question. Name your great, great grandpa. Charles S. Corpru. No, that Charles. Wow. My great, great grandpa. Your great, great grandpa. I don't know. hundred years ago, grandpa. Exactly. I don't know. Nobody does. And so we're sitting here. You were about, I thought I was like, shit, Charles is going to be the first one to ever know this. <laughs> like, wait a minute. And I'm no. sitting, I know who my grandfather is. Yeah. My grandpa. Yeah. But grandpa. name your great, name your grandpa's grandpa. And people are always talking about legacy. It's like, bro, legacy is not real. In a hundred years, no one remembers you. You get a couple outliers. You get a Napoleon Hill. You get a Jesus. Okay, fine. We understand that. A Mother Teresa. Even in 50 years, nobody's going to know who Mother Teresa is, right? And so it's like, okay, cool. Can you hold in your hand two competing understandings of the universe? One, nothing actually matters. And two, every single thing that you do right now is the most important thing you will ever do. Yeah. That is an interesting tension. That is an, that, that is an interesting tension and, and a conversation that we have never had on this show that one, our impact in the world is right now. Yes. It, it is right now. And the things that we do, we hope, we hope, but we hope that someone a hundred years from now is going to say to be able to pull back and look at the Think Unbroken podcast or look at the What's a Revolution podcast and say, oh wow, these two, these two men are were amazing. But we hope, we don't really know. Right? Because I I don't I, I haven't listened to the 2017 episode, the first episode. I'd listened to the last five episodes of this. I don't know. That's an interesting question that I will have to think about. Like, that is a, a, a wonderful spark. So if we're thinking about revolution, like we've got to make sure that we're executing now, like right now, that the impact is right now. Like you cannot wait. And that's why I love what you said is that execution begins right now. Stop waiting. Yeah. Stop, stop waiting. Kobe didn't get on that, that chopper that morning thinking that something tragic was going to happen. Yeah, no, of course not. And Kobe is the background of my phone. Actually, um, that I, I never felt lost when a stranger died, but man, that one hit me because I was like, you talk about the embodiment of a human being going out there and just trying, just trying. Just, just trying, just trying, man. That's the thing. You've talked about failure, right? Our fear of failure. And one of the analogies that comes up so much is that babies fail every day. You have, you fail till you learn how to walk. Yeah. Right. You fail until you learn how to run. You fail until you learn how to run faster. You fail all of the things. I failed so much playing this new new sport that is America's fastest growing sport. But I got a little bit be- I got a little bit better. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say I'm not Oh the pickleball. I'm not gonna <laughs> give it credence here. Yes, pickleball. I said pickleball. Um we know what it is, bro. Yeah. But failure failure is a part of it. Yeah. But the question that I've learned to ask myself, my God, I'm sure that you ask yourself is what did I learn in this failure? And that has been, uh, again, red pill moments, right? Red pill moments in my life. What's my 100% responsibility? And hopefully I'm going to take a proactive approach to this, like to, to, to take my 100% responsibility before. But the other thing is- I asked myself two questions, Charles. Go ahead. You're, I, I go, what did I learn from this? And then I go, does, in, the, in the scheme of things, does the failure actually move me towards my goal? Wow. It's like- Cause it's like, again, I'll drop sports analogies cause I think they're easy to, for people to understand, but everybody knows MJ not making the middle school or freshman basketball yeah, team, whatever, yeah. to become the greatest NBA player of all time. MJ is better than Kobe and LeBron guys. Just shut up, please. All right, let's move <laughs> forward. And so, 
And so you look at it and it's like, okay, cool. Did that failure move him towards his goal? Yes. Cause he's like, I want to be on this team. The universe smacked him in the face. You're not good enough yet. Dude, do you know how often people don't leverage the word yet? Mm-hmm. It's like, of course you don't have a good podcast yet. Yes. You did one episode, bro. <laughs> your, your relationship isn't substantial yet. You've been on one day. And it's like, this is a numbers game and they exponentially, they exponentially compound everything that you do. The reciprocation of that reverberates in a way you can't even understand in 18 years. And it's like, I can track back all of the moments of my life that have led down to where I am to the effort of just the one decision. When I was 26 and I had this rock bottom moment. And I was working for this Fortune 10 company. Mind you, they literally just gave me my high school diploma. It's not even real. (laughs) I do not have a college degree. I'm sitting uh, at my house and I call my, you're talking about best friends. I call my best friend at the time. He's no longer my best friend. I call him and I go, I'm going to quit my job tomorrow. You know what he tells me, Charles? He goes, that's insane. Do not do that. You will never have success like this again. Mm. We're not best friends. If you don't believe in me, I'm I can't fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> and and I literally the next day I walked in the office and I went to the VP and I go, I'm done, dude. And he goes, We'll give you another 20 grand a year to stay. And that was that was just base. Oh, wow. That wasn't even commission or the points on the residuals and all the other things that came with it. And I looked at him, I go, dude, you couldn't give me a million dollars. Wow. Wow. Because I was suffering. I hated my life. Yeah. I yeah. hated my job. I hated myself, my relationship, my friendships. Go look at the sum total of your friends, right? You will look at yeah, your life. My friends that. were overweight, smoked cigarettes, and ate like crap every day. I did the math once. I sat and I looked at how many time how much time I'd spent accumulatively watching football. This will blow your mind, dude. If you add up Monday night, Thursday night, Saturday, all day Sunday, I put together the math. When I was 27 years old, I did this. The last time I watched a football game, I was 27 years old. Because I realized I had spent an accumulation of three and a half years of my life watching football. Wow. Wow. You love football? Go get a calculator. Let's see if you love football after. And I'm not saying you shouldn't like have your thing and love your thing because I love martial arts and every Saturday night I watch fighting, right? But what I am saying is like, if your life is shit, bro, if you hate your life and you're overweight and you're making $38,000 a year and you're an average man, why are you watching football? There's a revolution out there for you. Bro, it's always here. It's all in front of you. It's a, it's and it's like, right. are you willing to suffer? Look, here, here's the reality, Charles. It all comes down to this. Like, are you willing to suffer? If you look up the word suffer, the definition is to be in discomfort. Are you willing to be in discomfort on a long enough timeline to become the person you're capable of doing? Yes. Yes. Because that's what it comes down to. We seek pleasure and comfort. We live in the easiest time in the history of the world. People are softer than they've ever been. We're woke. We're lit. We're gaslighting each other. We're all the things. But it's like, dude, at the end of the day, none of it actually matters. The next fad will come in. The next opinion mm-hmm. will come in. The next thing that'll get you canceled will come in. The evolution will continue until you revolt. Yeah. 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 Yes. Michael, this is, this is amazing to think about this, right? Because I think about revolution. If you look at, if you look at our logo, it's not a full revolution. It's not a full circle. The revolution ends, right? It starts and then it ends. And we did that Mm -hmm. deliberately because revolutions have, you have to evolve. You have to revolt and you have to revolve and you gotta, you gotta come to some point because there is another revolution coming. There's another shit. Mm-hmm. There's another, there's that, because that space, right? That space between, between the end of one revolution and the begin, something has to be a catalyst. And it, it is that discomfort. It, it, like you said, it is that space. How long can you sit in it to say, you know what? Shit. 
It's hard. And the only way that I'm going to endure this struggle is that I have to, I have to revolt from something that is making this a struggle. I have to learn something from this. I can't, I can't sit in the warmth of that shower all the time. I talk about the warmth of warm waters. Like it feels good. Right. It feels yeah. good. Oh my God. I love, I love Columbia or Cartagena or Cartagena, the warm waters, the, the warm summer waters. Cause it feels good. And I, because there's, there's struggle in winter. There's struggle in cold. Our body's not used mm-hmm. to it, but there is growth and gain. And I, at, at the recording of this show, I'm going through a struggle. I'm losing and it, it is uncomfortable. I'm losing people and it is uncomfortable. But what am I learning about myself that is going to allow me to show up better and greater the next time? That's it. That that's the revolution. Yeah, and I and I think that a, a big part of it too is like you have to have, and this is the word that I haven't used yet, is you have to have grace for yourself. Yeah. In this. Mm. Because you don't know what you don't know. And you're going to be really bad at who you are becoming until you become that. And then you'll realize that there's a next level. And then you'll be really bad at that until you're not. And then there's a next level and so on and so forth until you're dead. And it's like, can you have some grace for yourself? Because people are so mean to them, especially men, dude. We're so mean to ourselves. This weird reinforcement of society that says, be emotional. And then you're emotional and you get destroyed for it. Destroyed. And so it's like... So it's like, how do you navigate that? Right. And it's like, well, you, you, you deploy some grace, you deploy some grace for yourself, knowing, knowing that like you're fallible, you're not perfect. Sometimes you're an asshole. Great. Cool. Acknowledge it and, and sit in it. And sometimes you're wrong. Yeah. uh, Dude, I'm wrong constantly, but I'm right a lot too. And so it's like, all right, can I give myself grace in all of the things? The, the ego has a need to be right to be offended, to be annoyed, to be whatever it is that the ego needs in that moment. And it's like, just give yourself some grace because you're a human having a human experience and you don't yeah. know what you're doing. And, and if you can do that, what really starts to transpire is this life creation becomes fruition of the, ideal, the idealization of the person that you thought you could be. Yeah. Because if you have grace, then the first time you fail, you won't quit. Mm. And that's the thing that people need to leverage and hold on to because like between grace and kindness for yourself, that's how you actually really create that pendulum swing to close that gap to really yeah. become who you are. Yes. And and most people, dude, Charles, most people are being so mean to themselves right now. Mm. It's like, how do you expect to be successful? Because if you said to me the words that you use about yourself in your head to my face, I would beat the <laughs> shit out of you. and it's like okay how are you going to be successful when you're your own worst enemy yeah yeah great think about that grace grace and kindness to yourself look brother this has been one of the most profound conversations that i've had in a long time and i have profound i mean we have great amazing guests and i want to thank all of my guests who pour into this show but and what we just got in this. I mean, this is something that we'll, we will play time and time again, thinking about what, what does, what does, and we didn't even get to this. We didn't even get to this, right? How do we turn the trauma that we've had into the triumph, right? Into the triumph as you talk about. So I'm going to push everybody to michaelunbroken.com so you can understand his story and under so much and how you, all of the products and services and the coaching that he offers and how you can turn your trauma into triumph. Please go, please go. But I want, like, I, I, I got to ask you this question because I didn't ask you the question. What's your revolution? This everything we just talked about <laughs> that's it man why 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 all the suffering if not for something great you know and and, and it's like i'll give you i know we're out of time but i want to say this real quick so go ahead next week i'm i'm getting on a, a plane and i'm flying to the city i grew up in and i'm watching my brother graduate the police academy oh amazing and 
I spend time with my other brother driving across the country, the same one who told me, never talk to me again. And I see the success that my sister has. I watch the successes of thousands of clients that I've coached. I've seen millions of downloads on my podcast and having a number one best-selling book and speaking on the biggest stages. And it's like, you already suffered, bro. You might as well get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the work. This is the revolution. This is why we do what we do. And this is why we have the ability to come together to like minds, to revolutionaries who are moving their revolutions out to the world to, Im- to impact right now. And in hopes that someone a hundred years when I was like, what is this podcast thing? Like, oh, let me listen to this. Think unbroken. What's your revolution? And something hoping. And maybe they do or maybe they don't. Right. The thing is that right now is that we have the opportunity to be impactful on people's lives, to tell our stories, to tell other folks stories in, in hopes that they figure out what it's like to fail and have grace and be kind to themselves and move in the direction of the person that they want to be, to stop being afraid of failure, to stop being afraid of saying the thing, to stop being afraid of showing up for themselves and others. Revolutionaries, you know that you know that sometimes these shows are will take you, will take you, they will knock you down. This is one of those shows. It will knock you down. But I promise you, as you're getting up, you will be better. And that's what I want. I want you to always be able to answer what we think is the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution? We'll see you soon and know that I love you, I love you, I love you, and that we are here for you. We'll talk to you soon. Peace, everyone. Peace, everyone. Peace, everyone. Peace, everyone. Peace, Look, man, I'm, I'm here to be of service, dude. So I'm I'm an open book. Uh, there is nothing off the table. Uh, so you can ask me whatever you want, man. And and ultimately, you know, it's it's in the 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 gist of helping people, man. It's like shit. If I can share this story, and I, I know Mike probably told you a little bit about it, but dude, yeah, like you know, I'm I've been a guest like 500 times. I've been like. Ah, that might be a stretch probably like 350 but with my own show we we i think yesterday was 700 episodes so like i i get it so it's just like dude let's let's just do the thing bro yeah 700 episodes that's amazing that's amazing and you both you bring on both men and women to your show Yeah, yeah yeah everybody suffered bro you might as well get paid for it